Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. So really, really thrilled to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. And um, we're going to be continuing on a series that Pastor Shane started calling The Unshakables. And um, I don't know about you, but I've been very impacted by this series. It's been a fantastic series that um, is talking about how the unshakable life is built upon the unshakable rock of Jesus and His Word. So this morning, we're going to be sharing around the unshakable truth. The unshakable truth. The unshakable truth. In John 14 verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the life, Lord. Lord, we thank you this morning, Lord, as your word goes forth, Lord, it goes forth in power, Lord. And this morning, Lord, we open up our heart to you. We open up our soul to you, Lord. Lord, we open up to receive to you the message from your word. Lord, we thank you that when your word goes out, it does not return void, but it achieves all that you have intended it to do. So today, Lord, we prepare that good soil in our heart, Lord God, that your seed would be able to fall and germinate and grow. And everyone say it. Amen. Amen. So the, the word truth there in that passage of Scripture that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The Greek word for truth there is aletheia. And when we look at the definition of that word, we can see that truth is the truth of an idea, reality, sincerity, truth in the moral sphere, divine truth revealed to man, straightforwardness. And in fact, in ancient Greek culture, we can see that aletheia was actually synonymous for reality as the opposite of illusion. It's very interesting in the world today, there is a lot of philosophy out there. You know, there's a lot of confusion in the world with the different religions and the different philosophies. And in our culture in Australia, there's this idea that you define your own reality. But as we're going to be discovering this morning, we're going to see as we unpack these scriptures in the Word of God, that there is such thing as absolute reality. There is such thing as absolute fact in the divine and real realm. The unshakable truth is that when we choose to die with Christ, we are resurrected with Him in His divine nature. Powerful. Let's turn to Ephesians 4 this morning. So much quieter when we turn in the Bible now that we've all got all these electronic devices, isn't it? Can't hear all the pages flicking. Ephesians 4, and we're going to be starting from verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of of impurity we're just going to stop and pause there for a moment does that sound like the world that we live in today paul was writing to the ancient 
church in Ephesus, which was 2,000 years ago. And we can see that the same behaviors that we're seeing in the world today were actually seen way back then. In Ecclesiastes, it says there's nothing new under the sun. And so this stuff doesn't shock God. And I think sometimes as Christians, we can look out in the world and be intimidated by that and just think the problem is too huge to do anything about. But I want to encourage you this morning as His church, we are called to be the light. We are called to be the salt. We are called to be a voice in this crooked and perverse generation amongst whom we shine as lights in the world. Let's not be intimidated by that. Greater is he who is within us than he who lives in the world. We need to be the voice. We need to be the light. On social media, out there in our schools, out there in our community, out there in the shopping center, out there in our workplace, we need to rise up and take a stand and know who we are in Christ. God is not intimidated by this immorality. He is all-powerful. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the way we need to rise up and know who we are in Christ. And this morning, I really believe God's going to start to break down some of those walls that have been holding people back to release you into all that he has for you. Let's continue from verse 20. That isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. As Rochelle and I were having breakfast yesterday, she asked me, we're talking and came up about deception. She said, Mommy, what's deception? I said, Honey, deception is just when the kingdom of darkness convinces us that, the, uh, that a lie is the truth. People who are deceived don't know they're deceived because they've actually exchanged the truth for a lie. If they knew it was a lie, they wouldn't believe it. So we live in this world, in this culture, and we've got to be very careful that it doesn't corrupt the way that we think. And in fact, as we dig deeper in the Word of God today, we see that all of us were born into sin nature. All of us were born into this created self, which is very much driven by our own passions and desires and selfishness. But through Christ and what He's done, we can die to that, die to those behaviors and customs that we see in the world and live for Christ in great power and victory. We don't have to allow ourselves to be influenced by the world. We let the Holy Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes. Sometimes we try to do that ourselves. Sometimes we try to make ourselves change, but it's really just releasing the Holy Spirit to renew our mind, surrendering to Him, letting Him have His way in our lives. Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 is along the same vein. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God wants us to come to Him as we are. He wants us to surrender. Religion is what we get when we try to forge this form of morality out of our own human ability. That's what religion is. Trying to impose some sort of moral code and sets of rules of do's and don'ts. The world is sick of religion. The world is sick of a false form of morality because all we can see when we see in someone's life where they try to be a certain thing or be a good person or be this this form of God without the power of God, all we see is hypocrisy because it can never be the real deal. Without the Holy Spirit, it can never be real. As we look through the Old Testament, we see the thing that made Jesus the angriest was with the religious people of the day. They were the people he got most angry with. He didn't get most angry with the sinners. The sinners knew they needed him. They could see goodness in him. They could see and acknowledge that they couldn't do it on their own. They needed Jesus. But it was the religious people. They were the ones that angered Jesus. They made him so angry. And it's very interesting when we look at history. I was talking with my beautician and she said, I'm so sick of religion, Suzanne. I'm so sick of seeing what it does to the world and all the evil that's out there in the world. And I said to her, I said, Jesus hated religion too. I said to her, do you realize that in Jesus' day, there were these actors that used to act on the side of the road. They used to do these dramas and pantomimes and all this acting on the side of the road. They were called hypocrites. So when Jesus called the religious people of the day hypocrites, he was calling them actors. Because the truth is that in our own humanity, we cannot please God. It's by accepting what Jesus has done for us, allowing his Holy Spirit to come in, take over our lives, transform our minds. Then we will know God's will for us, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We're all born into sin. We all have a default setting of selfishness. Just watch a two-year-old when they don't get their own way. Our two used to have very different forms of tantrums. James was a passive-aggressive kind and used to lie. I remember the time we were in Target at the checkout. He didn't get what he wanted, so he threw a tantrum. Now, he didn't make any noise when he threw this tantrum, but he was on the ground and his arms and legs were going. You know, this was his passive-aggressive tantrum, you know, won't let you go through the checkouts, Mom. Rochelle was very, very, very vocal and um, very loud. <laughs> so um, there were times where I avoided public places when she was going through the two-year-old phase. But I'll never forget my mother-in-law, Valerie, said to me, Suzanne, when children turn two, that's when they really start, you really start to see the sin nature of the human race when they, they want what they want. And I thought, you know, woman of wisdom, I'm listening to my mother-in-law. She said, you need to teach them obedience, Suzanne. You need to teach them to obey and that will set them up for life. And she was right. Let's turn to Luke chapter 9 this morning. I'm going to be reading from verse 23, 24. Then Jesus said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. 
if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. It's only in turning from selfishness that we can truly follow Christ. A turning away from, that's called repentance, where we turn away from. A lot of people think repenting is being sorry, but it's, we often repent because we are sorry, but it's actually a very different thing. Repenting is to turn away from. So Jesus said, if you want to be my followers, you must daily turn away from selfishness and follow me. Be obedient to me. What are we dying to when Jesus is talking about taking up our cross there? We're dying to our earthly, carnal nature, that part of us who wants to rebel against God, that wants our own way. He's not asking us to get rid of our personality. God's created us uniquely and beautifully. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So when we're dying to self, you know, you get those, those people that think that dying to self means that they've got to that they can't experience any joy in life and that nothing's fun anymore and they're just going to punish themselves every day. You know, people like that. Yeah, well, I think they got the wrong idea there of what Jesus was saying. He's saying to die to selfishness, not dying to who you are. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15 to 17 says, Jesus died for everyone so that they, those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. That's what um, Pastor Ian was talking about this morning. That through Christ, it's not just that we take the existing person and try to make modifications to it and fix it all up so that we can go into this Christian life. We become a whole new person. And that's the miracle of salvation. That when we give our lives to Christ, the old passes away and all things become new. The way that we, we view the world, our desires, everything becomes new. And it's a process, as we'll see. It's a choice. When we choose to die with Christ, we are resurrected with him in his divine nature. Baptism is a very significant event in our lives. And there's nothing in the Bible that says we can only be baptized once. I remember I was baptized when I was eight years old, made the decision. And then Ian and I were baptized together in our 20s. We just felt God challenging us um, to be baptized together. So I want to encourage you to, it's not too late. If you really feel Holy Spirit talking to you today about being baptized, we would be happy to baptize you today. So I'd love to open up that invitation to everyone here today. Revelation. Very, very significant. When we get baptized, go through the waters of baptism, we're actually physically acting out what the word's talking about here where we're dying to the old nature and being resurrected to new life as a new person in Christ Jesus last passage of scripture we're going to be reading through this morning is in Romans chapter 6 We can see in this passage of Scripture that 
Paul is actually talking about when we go through the waters of baptism. Going under the water represents the death of dying to our old self. That's that passage of Scripture is talking about taking up your cross daily. We're dying, dying to the old self, the old person that was born into the sin nature. Reading for verse 4. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. This is an awesome passage of Scripture. There's so much in this passage of Scripture. What I want us to really take away from it this morning is that what we're dying to when we come to Christ, when we go through the waters of baptism, when we turn away from our selfish ways to follow Christ, what we're dying to is the power of sin. Sin no longer has any power over us. Now, does that mean that once we become born again, we don't sin anymore? I wish that was true. I would love to be able to never sin again. In fact, I pray that. Say, Lord, I pray as much as humanly possible that I would be obedient to you every day. It's not like God waves a magic wand and dabs you on the head and says you'll never sin again. There's a process called sanctification where every day we draw closer to Jesus. Every day we have to choose. And that's why he said we have to take up our cross daily to follow him. I have seen some of the most amazingly talented, gifted people who have ministered in the power of God who are no longer walking with him today. And the simple reason for that is that they stopped taking up their cross daily to follow him. That strikes the fear of God into me because that shows me that every single one of us can fall away if we turn back to sin. Sin does not have any power over us anymore. But we have to choose. We have to choose not to sin. And it's a daily choice. 
It's a daily choice. And you know, for all of us today, we would have stories and testimonies of things in our lives that we've overcome that we used to struggle with, that we're now free from. Because we have to learn to walk. It's like a little child. When they're learning to walk, they stand up and they fall down and they get frustrated and they get up again and totter along and face plant and run into furniture and all the awesome things that they do. And for our little girl, we, we were told that they didn't know if she'd ever walk. And so walking was a very, very big experience for our family with Rochelle. And I remember for many, many months, she could only take two steps before she fell down. But as her parents, we weren't there condemning her, saying, oh, you're so weak. Look at those legs. You can't do that. We weren't saying that. We used to say, look at those strong legs. Those feet are going to take you anywhere. And daily I would walk up and down the stairs every single day holding those little hands with those legs that were just giving out from under her. I'd say, look at those strong legs. Those feet will take you anywhere. The tears would be rolling down my cheeks, but she didn't see that. All she heard was the words. And one day she said to me, look at my strong legs, mummy. These feet are going to take me anywhere. And we see today, we've had a visit with a specialist recently, and he said she doesn't have to wear her AFOs anymore. She does still, yeah, all glory to God. It's miracles. And it's slowly and it's daily, and sometimes you don't feel like you can see any improvement from day to day. But by the time she was about 22 months, I think it was, she could walk. The specialists were absolutely amazed by her they said she's exceeding all of our expectations of her we had to meet with six orthopedic surgeons at sydney kids hospital up at randwick when she was two because they didn't expect her to be able to walk as well as she could without any surgery at all and they'd found she had a new genetic problem called congenital vertical talus which was causing the talus bone to be going the wrong direction within her foot so we had to take her up in front of a lecture full of people. They had all their registrars and RMOs and fellows. And I learned what all these words meant with all the different levels of specialists and things like that. Spent lots of time up at Sydney Kids. And she was shy. And she was embarrassed about her feet. And Ian was on the other side of the platform. And I felt intimidated being in this medical environment with all these specialists and all these people. And I said, honey, you need to take your shoes off. They just want to see your beautiful feet. You walk to Daddy. I know you can. And she got down there and she walked across to Ian, right across this platform. And there were six unanimous orthopedic surgeons who agreed that they would recommend surgery. And she's just gone in leaps and bounds. And is it still a challenge? Yes, we've still got challenges with her bladder and her bowel. She was born with a condition called sacral agenesis where the nerves were missing. Um, to certain parts of her body. But now we're starting to speak life over that bladder. We're speaking life over that bowel in Jesus' name. And the specialists are saying, you know, we should be doing this and we should be doing that. We're like, we're going to give God all the glory. But that analysis, uh, analogy of us watching our little girl learn to walk and the battle that it was for us and the heart, the heart, breaking that it was for us many many days many many days 
That's what it's like for God with us. Sometimes we've got sin in our lives that we just can't seem to beat. We haven't yet got the revelation that we've got power over it because we're still going through this process of renewing our minds. And we get up and we fall down and we get up and we try again and we fall into the same sin and we feel so frustrated. But our Heavenly Father is saying, get up again. I know you can do this. I know you can walk. I know you will win. I know you will conquer. Our Heavenly Father is a God who loves us and who believes in us. I had a friend of mine once who's, she found out that her husband was addicted to pornography and she rang me and she was absolutely devastated by what had happened. And he was very um, remorseful and for them, it was a good thing for their marriage that he had come forth and confessed it to her. He hadn't tried to hide it anymore, so that went in his favour, that he turned to her for help, which was wonderful. But I'll never forget this. He said to her, I wasn't actually addicted to the images. I was addicted to the rush that I got. Sin begins in the mind. Sin begins in our thought life. Sin begins in that place where we start to entertain and allow it to wear down. And that's where the Bible's talking about things being corrupted by lust and deception. The truth is today that when we have a revelation that we have power over sin, when those thoughts come, we don't have to receive them. When that temptation comes, we know we have power over that sin. The enemy would come to deceive us to say, you're weak, you can't do it, you can't overcome. But we know that through what Jesus has done, we have power over sin. And as we get disciplined in our thinking in saying no to sin, we get stronger and stronger to be able to walk in all that God's called us to do. Casting off the old self is a daily decision. But we have this divine new nature in Christ that we can put on and choose to live in every single day. Love to have, have the musicians come this morning. When we choose to die with Christ, we are resurrected with him in his divine nature. Let's bow our heads this morning and pray. Lord, we thank you that as we die to sinful desires, by following you, a miracle takes place in our heart. We become filled with and motivated by a new divine desire, Lord. We allow your Holy Spirit to come, take over our mind, take over our soul, take over our emotions, take over our body, Lord. That we are no longer slaves to sin, Lord. But we are called to righteousness, Lord. We are called to doing what's right. And that when we are tempted to be led away and to go back into old ways of thinking, we have the power to say no to sin. It has no power over us. 
right across this place today. Let's just be lifting up those thoughts to the Lord Jesus that we know we've struggled with. We know we've been wrestling with. We know we've allowed the enemy to come in with sin. If we can stop the sin when we stop the thought, we will not fall into it. It's only when we entertain those thoughts that we fall into sin. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you know every thought before we have it, Lord. So today we can be honest with you. We can be open before you. You know every thought, Lord. There it is. Just lift them up to the Lord this morning. He wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. He wants to release you from the fear. He wants to release you from the doubt. He wants to release you from the lust. He wants to release you from the deception today. There it is. Just release them to the Lord. There it is. The power of God. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. That as you died, Jesus, to defeat the power of death and sin, Lord God, we can die to our old simple ways, Lord. Be raised to life in your divine nature to be able to follow you every single day. There might be people here this morning that have never made the decision to follow Christ. Or as the word's been spoken this morning, you've just sensed a stirring in your heart, this conviction that you need to make a fresh commitment today to Christ, to live for Him, to leave the old self behind and to receive this new life in Christ Jesus. That's you this morning. We'd love you to raise your hand today. I'm going to pray a prayer with you. Be able to support you on your journey in Christ and your walk with Christ. Is there anyone here this morning? Just raise your hand in this place today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, there might be people here this morning who've heard that message and the Lord's been stirring your heart that you'd like to be baptized. Now, if that's you, I'd love you to come and see me after the service. There's room for you in the waters of baptism today. Please feel free to come and talk to Ian or myself or one of the eldership team, and uh, we'd love to support you in that. Awesome. We're going to have another song as we end the service today. Thank you so much, Lisa.